you say you need to find your niche. Are you working on a varied amount of projects at the moment? You're working on commercials and promos and spots? So I've been doing this for properly like four months-ish. So I'll I'll tell you what I've been hired for. It's fun because you're catching me at this point where I'm just now ramping up so I can tell you what it's like at the beginning. Because I started taking classes four years ago and seeking education four years ago and actually getting the opportunity to do auditions and all that stuff too, but not full-time and not in earnest like I am now where my job is basically to audition all day and (laughs) sit around at home and then wait for the emails. And then, you know, like we talked about yesterday over email, go from having nothing to do to, oh my God, okay, all right, I'm on it, I'm on it, I got it, yes, 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 sir. The scripts that I'm getting, I've been extremely lucky. I was warned by a lot of, I call them dinosaurs, but I say it with respect, people have been in the industry for a long time who maybe had it rougher than me that I was going to, I got stories like, kid, you're going to have a lot of resistance. You're, you know, the agents are going to, they're going to impose whatever they think on you and you're not going to get the scripts that you want. And it's just, it's going to be really, really rough. So you better buckle up because you're going to hate it. Like they made it sound like it was going to take eons before I would be anywhere near receiving the kinds of opportunities that would make me happy. That hasn't been the case at all from, and I, I really do think it has to do with the fact that I came from video games nothing has to be explained to me in that market. I've been there. I understand it. So I've been sent all the kinds of scripts that I like to do. So commercial stuff. I'm also a fluent um, native Mexican Spanish speaker. My mother was from Mexico City. Commercial stuff. I've had film opportunities and uh, animation, cartoon show opportunities, all that stuff. I haven't been limited at all. And it's all kinds of roles from little kid voices that I do to grizzled military chicks to grandmas all of it all of it and it's it's been wonderful because my my end goal is that i would definitely like to i don't i won't feel like i've made it until i've either landed a recurring role in an animated show and or some character of note in a video game those are my end goals yeah and it's not about for me personally it's not about quote being the star it's not like i don't necessarily want to be that actor that gets showboated at e3 and all the interviews and stuff it's not about the fame so much as it's really cool to be at the ground level of making a character that's either iconic or matters to people on a personal level that's so much more satisfying it was for me when i was in development so it's nice to be it would be nice to be on that other end where you get to be involved with the creators just like i was as a sound designer i'm extremely passionate about bringing other people's vision to life and now i'm just doing that in a different capacity so that's my end goal but in the three four months that i've been actively doing it i've been hired a lot for commercial stuff a lot for my party trick which is the fact that i have no latina accent whatsoever when i'm speaking and my my kind of southern california accent but i can totally turn it off if i need to because i'm basically doing my mother or if i start you know saying spanish words there's no i have no accent whatsoever so i can flip-flop the accent in both languages and turn it off like a switch and that's a lot harder for people who are not necessarily as biracial, bicultural as me. Because you could be, you know, say a Latin American native, but you moved here, you know, in adulthood. So you speak English fluently, but you've got that Salma Hayek accent you can't drop. Or or vice versa, you learned uh, another language in adulthood, but you can never drop that accent of your native language. I can do it both ways. So I've been hired for that a lot because it's a bit particular. It's a particular skill. And then I've been in a couple video games, and they were both for bratty little kids so i don't know what that says about me i do know what that says about me maybe i need to get comfortable with that 
Um, <laughs> that's your niche. That's where you found, you know. That's... It might be. <laughs> I'm telling you, so much of so much of this business is letting go of the idea that I want to do everything or please, please, please let me do anything and taking whatever jobs you are noticed for as a compliment because that's that's someone not just with a checkbook but someone taking a chance on you and saying, I see something in you, I hear something in your audition, I would like to take a risk on you. Especially if you're someone that no one's worked with before, which I am. It's been very humbling being on the side and having like casting directors that I worked with as a client are now working with me as a talent and I don't want to let them down. That's very important to me because they were there for me as a client and now it's like, well, now I got to support them in a completely different role that they know I'm less experienced in. Never take it as an insult. Take it as a compliment when someone wants to give you money to do something in particular, even if you yourself weren't aware that you were capable of doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah, so that, that's been my experience thus far. So, I mean, I don't know. If you check with me in a year, things might be completely different. Yeah, but yeah. so far, that's where it's headed. I guess little kids and, and Latinas <laughs> selling things. You say you wanted to be like a main character or a recurring character, so that's your end game. But what, what's the end game voice-wise? What kind of Is there a particular kind of voice you want it to be with the main character? And mm, the voice, whatever voice anybody comes up with is a direct result of, like I said, right at the beginning of the conversation, it's, it's a result of intent mm-hmm. and emotion. Because, you, you know, you can, you can have a raspy voice and have good intentions or you can have a raspy voice and have bad intentions. But it's the same voice. It's just different emotion behind it. So I think it's so weird for me to say it, but I just like to be a character with a very interesting story. Are you kind of biased on good guy, bad guy? It's always more fun to play the bad guy, yeah. I think. <laughs> it, being an altruist is boring. It's so much more fun to be the bad guy. Because you have to... Uh, a lot of actors have said this in, in various interviews. In order to play evil well... It's not evil. There's nothing light-handed or natural about, oh, I'm so evil. Like, that's not intimidating. That's garbage. If To really play evil, you have to understand it and em- empathize with it yeah. and, and side with it. And that's what's scary. Because, you know, even, even murderers have good intentions. Oh, my God. That's yikes. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you have to put yourself in that position. So that's much more interesting. And then if you can do it well and convincingly... To where, you know, you're enchanting other people. Meanwhile, you're, like, hacking up the protagonist's party. <laughs> you're doing it right. You know, I th- that's, that's just a good... I think that's just a good challenge for any actor. To, to still... It, even worse, if you're the hero and people root for you. Whoa. That's crazy. Have you been recognized outside of work? I mean, I suppose it's too early days to ask, but have you been recognized out on the streets for your voice yet? I'm not a household name, and I don't think I have any necessarily want to be. But I have like industry friends that are going to be hearing, you know, keeping an ear out for me. This is the funny thing too, about being on the other end. And, you know, like I mentioned, insider trading and all that. Like, I wish I could tell you the games that I've been in thus far, but those games haven't shipped. And it's not uncommon at all for characters to be cut, stories to be rewritten, voices to be recast. And it's nothing personal because all the voice actor wants really is the paycheck because you go and it's been scheduled and you're going to be paid for your time and that's great. But what they do with the contents is up to the client and that's not under your control. And again, you also can't take that personally because a lot of times they change direction at the last minute and it's someone else's fault and now they get to pay double for it. It may not have necessarily been your performance or your attitude or anything like that. It's just they changed their mind. It's always It always comes down to tastes. So I can't... That's the only... It's kind of a bummer because I can... I can be excited for myself because I'm getting money, 
but I can't be excited for the street cred until it's out. Until I can point to something and it's on YouTube and send it to you, I don't know for sure that I'm going to make it. Nobody does. Ask me when I've got stuff on YouTube. Yeah, because that's what it comes down to. It's the same thing. It's sort of like, even if I book a job and the agents are, woo, the agents are happy because they're getting money and I'm getting money and they're getting a voice and everyone's happy and everyone thinks they solved their problems. It's exactly equivalent to you're really excited to tell me about the gun you're working on today. (laughs) And that's great. Good for you. And you are getting paid today. That's lovely. It might not actually make it into, you know, the final, you know, because maybe tomorrow it sounds like shit. And voiceover is sadly no different. And that's why there's just so much emphasis on getting the story right. Everything, all the holes that are missing in communication between voice actors and then the, the game developers and everything in between, the way the whole sausage is made, okay. it just ends up costing more time. Because, well, now we need to book another session because we, we pronounced this fantasy word wrong whoops it could be a name stuff like that yeah especially consistency as well yep yep consistency or context yeah. you know hdr and and anything you can do for audio ducking to bring up vo levels it doesn't necessarily make, make sense if like let's say we have a vo session and the game person who came in is not necessarily privy to the the context of this scene and we're recording this conversation and it's like we need to get to the bomb right now. Oops, except there's gunfire in that scene. And you never would have heard me. And it actually had to be, we need to get to the bomb, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And now it's been actually, completely yeah. foobarred because it was recorded wrong. And sure. now we get to money, more money. Yay. Yeah. You know, but those, but those are costly on development. And that's not yeah, cool either. That's yeah. frustrating for everybody. Yeah. And everybody gets frustrated. And then, you know, that, of course, comes out on the recording and... And all that stuff. All those little things add up. And it's so much easier when you're on the ground level. And when you're when you're in-house, if something you make is plugged in and it doesn't work, you can run right back to your office and fix it. Yeah. If you're a voice actor, not so much. So I think I, m- I might be more frustrated because I have had the experience where I was an in-house sound designer, right? So if something I wasn't working, I could go fix it really quickly, just address it and stop the bleeding and bail out the water and do whatever. And I know how frustrating that can be. But then... You know, I can't I can't guarantee a correct performance if you're only giving me half the information. Or, and also, you know, not everybody's psychic or the yeah. people who are, are there don't necessarily know the context of what's going on in the game. There's just so much. There's so much that can go wrong and you can't fix it immediately. I can imagine the hours that go into it because to get the whole game, I mean, sometimes even with like, especially for things like Fallout New Vegas where it's just hours and hours and hours. To get all of the voice delivery right must be a nightmare. It depends, because when you have the bigger games like that, like if you have a Josh Sawyer or a Ken Lamine or whoever, the problem is that those guys are also generally in charge of the entire ship and keeping it running. And when they take days off to babysit recordings, everyone at home suffers. And so it's kind of, there's kind of no winning. And so it's, it's nice if one of two things happen. Either you have a company big enough and communicative enough where the people you send to be your emissaries who, uh, who supervise recordings are well-informed enough. And also, you know, it's, it's close enough to where things are going to change and da 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 And all those things are set. That's lovely. Or you go the other route where you have an indie game and it's and it's five guys in a house and they're not going to use any union actors so they can just all voice everything themselves. And you know, and if they do a great job, fantastic. 
if they don't do a good job, then everyone will laugh unintentionally. But it'll still be amusing. It just depends. Would you advise getting a varied mix in a reel, or would you advise doing specialized reels for whatever you want? So, for example, having a promo reel or a commercial mm-hmm. reel, and then having a video game slash animation reel, or you know, how would you advise someone in making a voice reel? Uh, when it comes to the agencies, the kind of universal standard that's expected of you is what's called a commercial reel and an animation reel. And commercial reel is obviously anything that's commerce and product oriented and selling something um, in various dis- different manners. And if you're capable of it, if you can get a good mix of announcer reads, which are your pleasant thing, or casual reads. And, and the best way to do that is don't be that actor who doesn't watch commercials or skips over commercials on the radio because then you're a moron. You have to, it's sort of like, Nothing pisses me off more than when I hear voice actors who are like, I really want to get into video games, but I don't play them. Yeah. Oh, or or even worse, they're on YouTube. I could look them up. Oh, my God. I could look them up on YouTube. You really do need to research the thing that you're claimed to be a part of. So the thing about voice acting is that until you're somebody, you have to be open to the idea, again, about you have to be open to the idea of doing anything until pe- people figure out what it is that you're good at. So you have to be, even if you don't think necessarily commercials are fun, be open to it, make it fun. Because they can be fun. And certainly there's a lot of really well-written, funny copy where you're like, oh, this is hilarious. So you're expected to have your commercial demo. And then animation is everything that is not commercial and also lumps video games in there. So basically interactive media. And that should be as good of a, of a vocal workout as you can manage. But that... Any anyone who's worth their salt will say, "Don't make don't make a VO reel until you're ready." And what constitutes as ready is having been through the education and having had someone else analyze and listen to you. And I, it was great. I went to the Wiggy party re three. I didn't go to three actually, but I hung out with a bunch of cool sound design dudes. That yay Twitter. They're all these guys that I talk to all the time, and it's actually nice when we meet in person, even though we live a city apart. But I got to hang out with them. The audio guys from Naughty Dog who worked on Last of Us and all that. I talked to Neil Campo and Derek. I can't remember his last name right now. I'm sorry. Those guys are really cool. Yeah, awesome. But they were they were really fascinated, kind of the way you are and kind of some of other my friends are, where I'm this weird curiosity. I'm not the only one because this is not an uncommon story. But having gone, branched out from being in-house sound design, branching out to VO, and they're like, what's it like? And all that stuff. <laughs> what's it like um, outside? <laughs> yeah. Outside, outside of these prison walls where you actually get to look at what other games are doing and we're not in a vacuum. It was funny. I was talking to them and this, this VO hopeful walked up and started asking me a bunch of questions. And Derek and Neil were watching me like it was a ping pong match because they were fascinated by the responses that were coming out of my mouth. And this guy was asking me precisely about demos. The guys interrupted me and they're like, well, what? Because thinking like sound designers, and I, I totally get it because I did that in the beginning. They're like, well, can't you just, I mean, can't you just like record yourself, like record yourself and then just like string it together and yeah. put it on the internet and it was done? I'm like, you don't get it. Demos are not about how you sound good to yourself. Yeah. It's about what sounds good to agents and possible clients, people who are hiring you, who are looking for specific abilities. It's got nothing to do with what actually, quote, sounds good or pleasant to you. And they were like, whoa, yeah, it's about marketability, which is a completely different context. It's not about making cool sounds or cool voices. It's, again, how can I use you? Yeah. Can you nail these archetypes? And then maybe I have this character that's come up that's kind of close to this archetype. So maybe I can have you audition for it. That'd be great if you can get close. 
that's what it is. And you can only even get there until after having had some education and having had, because this is the, the reality too. Again, thinking like a sound designer, you are responsible for your own creation and creative time. It's you in your room in the dark noodling, you know, hitting friggin' oscillators and buttons and dial until you've completely ruined the sound. Now you need to go back seven iterations and go back to your original raw sound and be like, oh, why did I just spend five hours wasting it? Yeah. With VO, here's the funny thing. The first time you ever heard your recorded voice and you're like, I sound like that? Yeah. I sound like that? Ah! Yeah. You got to get rid of that because it's not about how you think you sound or how you judge yourself to sound. You have to get used to the idea of being directed by other people trusting them when you're in the booth and you've got on the other side of the wall like a booth director sound engineer and you know one to ten clients from marketing and creative or whatever judging you and telling you things you have to trust them and comply and deliver with what they're asking you to do and be flexible that's a reality and unless that is audible in the demos do not bother either recording them or paying for them because you're not ready yet so my personal experience when I started out being a sound designer, I strung together auditions that I did through voiceover sites like Voices.com, Voice123. I just strung together auditions that I had done that, you know, didn't get jobs, but they, they were me doing voices, and that's great. Yeah. But that was only half the work. After going through classes with Horvitz, um, and then if Richard Horvitz does your demo, this is amazing, and it's, it's so not a money grab. He enforces at least three private sessions with him first. And it's just because he needs, he's like, I really need to know what you can do. Because when we go to record the demo, we're not going to waste those two hours. We're going to get in and we're going to get out and you're going to have, I'm going to have enough content to work with. And there's no second chance because you're paying for that studio time. Again, just like a real job, you don't get a second shot at a first take. Sorry. So it's this very intense process about, but what are you really good at? I mean, that's, that's why I keep bringing it so much because I had to go through it personally. So when it comes to your demo reels, you don't want to shoot yourself in the foot by having cre- essentially created a portfolio of sounds that were created in the vacuum of your precious mind and your precious ego of what you think is fantastic, but other people who are looking to cast you and position you don't know what you're trying to convey with this thing. It just it really blew my mind when I was going through the process how often Horvitz had to sort of explain. He's like, but this is what agents are listening for. And it's got nothing to do with what you think is good. I can't, I can't really enforce that enough. I mean, you, and certainly people are welcome to try. I always recommend to get experience just to get comfortable with reading copy and auditioning on a regular basis and just going through that mental vocal exercise. Definitely sign up for stuff like voice123voices.com. Yeah. All that stuff. You know, string together your, your little sound designer made demos because ultimately those are mostly non-union jobs that are no residuals not necessarily major studios or or products are going to come looking for talent because you you do get what you pay for and if you only have a budget for an amateur you'll get an amateur but that amateur will get experience and that's great for them maybe not for your ad but for the amateur everyone's got to start somewhere and that's great for personal experience but you're only going to get feedback from a client who's looking to get a job done and not someone who necessarily understands what you do. Example being, as a sound designer, if you get a freelance job, your only job is to make the client happy. But imagine if those sounds you were making were being judged by a fellow sound designer and how differently they would be critiquing them. They'd be coming from a totally different level. Like, like, let's say a client would be like, it sounds good, but can you make it louder? And then you take it to 
uh, sound design, you're like, what does that mean? It's yeah. freaking, it's loud. It's a, br- it's a brick. Yeah. And maybe, <laughs> maybe your peer will point out, well, dude, it's, can you, maybe you should bring out the highs because all they're hearing is rumble and maybe they don't have a woofer like you do. So maybe you should, you know, think about how they're listening to it through like little crappy speakers. <gasps> oh, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The way the way a client hears sound and processes assets versus the way that the person making those assets thinks of them, totally disconnected. That's very much related to demos, if that makes sense. I'm married to a 3D modeler, so, you know, being married to an artist, it's the same thing. Like, we we work in really specific mediums, but when you're you're working for a boss who doesn't necessarily work in that medium themselves, they're looking for results that... that connect with them it's not it's it's not about the quality of your work it's such a weird thing to say but you know we're creatives the good creatives are all extremely hard on themselves because we're striving for like what we think is higher quality but the joke's on us because what we think is higher quality has nothing to do with making the general public happy completely disconnected and and damn voiceover is in the same boat as is sound as is art as is writing as is everything 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 (laughs) and you have to you have to learn to forgive yourself and disconnect the notion of what is professionally, critically great and what is actually enjoyed by the people that you're making it for. And it, it depends on who your master is, too. I mean, if you're, it's the difference between being a commercial artist and a fine artist. If you're a fine artist, you're just making art for art. You're making your own art exhibitions, and it's masturbatory and good for you. Do whatever you want. It's your show. But if you're working for someone else's dime... You have to make them feel happy. You know, it's not about, it's no longer about your self-fulfillment because they're not, it's not like they're being a patron of your art. They're being a patron of your product. You're not being hired for your expertise in that capacity. You have to let go of the whole thing of, well, but that sounds really cool. Yeah, but I don't want that. Exactly. (laughs) It's not what I wanted. It doesn't sound right to me. Well, you don't, if you could see how many patches I put in this thing, nobody cares. It's been insanely easy for me to make so much of the transition to voiceover from game sound and all that stuff very analogous and also analogous to life because you know i i go out of my way to make these connections because i don't want it i don't want it to seem like what i do or what you do are in any way not completely the same or connected there's so many strings attached not just because they're interdependent in the greater sense of like we're you know if we're both working on a game we're both working on a game that's great but the process is very much the same and so when you ask me about demos it's just really easy for me to spew about the reality of it when it comes to voiceover a lot of people will focus on something as honestly as useless as i can make this really funny voice that's great um i think this is i think i'm going to steal another richard horvis quote (laughs) can you do that funny voice while reading Shakespeare for four hours. That's the reality of the job. Yeah. When you do voiceover. And if you can't, you can't actually do that voice. And you can't sell it as such because if you put that, any, any audition you do ever, if you put that in an audition and then they hire you and then it's a four-hour session and you can't act and you can't do it, you have just upset a lot of people. Yeah. And it's also not going to be good for your career long-term. I mean, the... Think of Family Guy and, you know, how Seth MacFarlane is what uh, Peter Griffin, Stewie Griffin, and Brian the dog. Think about every time he's had, he's done Stewie Griffin making an impression of Brian. I mean, it's a complete, yeah. it's a mind fuck, yeah. but he's good at it. And that's why he's Seth MacFarlane. You have to get to that level 
of again disconnecting what you think oh, i made a cool sound i made a cool voice blah, blah, blah. well what's the application yeah exactly. and is it useful because if not get rid of it so if anyone's listening please don't make your demo unless you're ready and furthermore until someone else tells you that you're ready furthermore someone else who's trustworthy vetted <laughs> and referred to you tells you that you're ready like on my on my personal website, which is just my name dot com, I have a it was it's funny because now I'm on that end where I get random emails from uh, people who I don't know how they find me, but bless them, they're like, hey, how do I become a voice actor? And I actually still get how do I become a sound designer? Emails, and it's not that I'm annoyed <laughs> of repeating myself. Well, I'm not. I mean, I'm an asshole in other areas of my life certainly, but I'm I'm not an asshole professionally in this aspect because like you know I keep talking about paying it forward. It's not that I'm sick of repeating myself. It's that I'm concerned that I'm going to leave holes in in uh, what I communicate about what I actually think is important yeah. from having repeated myself. So I made this link on my it's a tab called How to Become a Voice Actor, and I list everybody that I either recommend because I've personally worked with them and have read their books, interviews, or whatever podcasts because I still do because I'm still very much obsessed with voiceover or people that were extremely highly recommended to me through other people in the industry because I think it's really important to go with resources and people that have been proven and not just like someone in your local town who's accepting checks because yeah. there's a lot of that too yeah. all the people that i list i'm pretty sure all of them do online teaching through thanks to skype or whatever else so they offer online classes which is honestly just as effective because it's an audio dependent medium <laughs> and it's no different the also another reality of the industry right now is in the same way that game design can be broken up into the more in we're we're back at sort of like the early garage days of of games because it's all asset based. So we can be anywhere on the planet, and so long as we're using the same source control, boom, it's done. I don't necessarily have to be in the same room with you. It helps obviously to have those interpersonal connections, but it's not impossible. I had two back to back VO sessions yesterday. They were both directed. One was directed over Skype. One was directed over my cell phone sitting next to my pad on my uh, music stand. And they were both jobs that I got through my agency in Los Angeles. See, one person was directing me on Skype through from Austin, Texas. Another person was directing me, I believe, from New York. And I recorded it here in my home studio in Irvine, California. And I sent them both the assets. That's how we made our indie game. <laughs> with these. That's awesome. <laughs> they weren't little jobs. They were both like name brand jobs that I got through my LA agency. And the point is that you can do that now. Yeah, I mean, technology has made it such a more kind of graspable aspiration. It's funny you said about the Skype thing, because I've spoken to people before, and, you know, general people will go, oh, but my voice sounds so different over Skype. And it's like, well, well no, it actually sounds like what it will sound like when it's recorded. So <laughs> The shock, the <laughs> shock and horror of what you actually sound like. <laughs> Terrible. No, that's, that's the, re the reality is that what you think of yourself has no bearing and doesn't matter. Let it go. The, the people that I list on, on my site do teach over Skype and, you know, as far as I know, they're wonderful at it. And I, I pointed out the reality of, you know, like how I spent my day yesterday doing doing jobs and getting paid because it's just as valid for you to receive the education over the Internet because there's the scoop. In the future, you're going to end up like me, you know, getting directed by people in different time zones over phone lines and, and Internet it's honestly no different than actually being there in the booth. There's still that huge glass and separation wall between you and them. And, you know, unless they're holding the button, you don't know what they're talking about. You know, it's actually a lot more freeing, I would say. Maybe, I mean, I haven't done it a ton of times both ways for me to really compare. But I found it really freeing to be recording at home yesterday being directed via satellite, shall we say. Because 
there's something really awkward when there's like a fish tank of people in the other room and you think they're all talking about you. They might be talking about lunch yeah. or how someone has to go to the bathroom or how, oh, crap, we printed out the script and it, ugh, we fucked up that sentence. We got we to gotta think of something fast. Your mind can start running away with the fantasy of what they're actually talking about. And it's very distracting because your, your concern is making them happy. So it was kind of nice yesterday where it was like, I can't even see your face. Just let me do my thing. No, it's distracting and it's not necessarily helpful. And it's not necessarily yeah. about you either. I hope I answered your question about demos. I can really, I can really rattle <laughs> on about stuff. But No, it's perfect. That's great. Thank you. <laughs>